0: As a freelancer or small business owner, you'll find yourself negotiating with bigger fish, which could make you feel powerless. It's a frustrating place to be because sometimes you find yourself giving away too much. This leaves you feeling shortchanged, and it's just an unpleasant feeling all around. Well, you're in luck. Keep listening because you're about to meet William Urey, one of the world's leading experts in negotiation and mediation and co-author of Getting to Yes!, Negotiating Agreement Without Giving In, the world's best-selling book on negotiation. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the show. I'm Anise Kisselbash, your host. Thanks for listening. And welcome back if you're a regular, if you're new. Our mission is to give freelancers, self employed, and entrepreneurs nuggets of advice, wisdoms, and strategies to grow your sales in a mindful way in 30 minutes or less. So, wherever you're listening, on your morning commute, at the gym, running in the park, or doing your dishes, thanks for tuning in. For this episode, I caught up with William Urey, co-author of Getting to Yes, Negotiating Agreement Without Giving In. Now, for the past 35 years, William has served as a negotiation advisor and mediator in conflicts ranging from the Kentucky Wildcat coal mining strikes to ethnic wars in the Middle East, the Balkans, and the former Soviet Union. He has taught negotiation and mediation to tens and thousands of of corporate executives, labor leaders, diplomats, and military officers around the world. He's helped hundreds of businesses and organizations reach mutually profitable agreements with customers, suppliers, unions, and joint venture partners. And right now, my entrepreneurial friends, you will meet him. I picked his brains about how entrepreneurs can negotiate without giving in. So let's head on over to the interview now. Hello, William. How are you? I'm very
1: well. How are you?
0: I'm very good, thank you. Thank you. One of the things I, many things I loved about your book was, is the idea of principled negotiation. So, can you just tell us what you mean about by this?
1: Yeah. So, principled negotiation is is a form of negotiation where you, instead of treating the the problem as you are you have one position, the other side has another position, and you bargain over those positions, uh, treating each other almost as adversaries. It's quite the contrary. You treat each other as potential partners. You say you've got a problem, and you jointly try to solve that problem by looking behind people's positions, which are the things they say they want, for what are their underlying interests, what are their underlying concerns, interests, needs, fears, aspirations, so that you can arrive at a solution that meets both sides' interests, uh, a solution that is for mutual gain, a so-called win-win solution, is what is what principled negotiation is all about. It's looking for a fair, mutually satisfying resolution to your to your either dispute or to the opportunity that you have for for a new deal.
0: Mm. And because you mentioned uh, you know, focusing on interests, not positions, so can you give an example of how one can reframe it from a position to an interest?
1: Well, take a very simple example. Let's imagine you have uh, someone who works for you, who comes into your office, and they ask you for a raise, <laughs> and uh, and imagine that there's you, you look in the budget, you. You know, and there's uh, no more money in the, in the budget, and you say no. So they're asking for a raise, in other words, an increase. That's, that's a position. They're saying, I want more money. Uh, you look in the budget, and you come back and say, uh, you know, sorry, but there is no more money in the budget. That's a position. Mm. Uh, what you could do is, instead of is ask the person, well, tell me why you want the raise. Help me understand what the, what the problem is. Well, I've got a health problem, or I've got an elderly parent, or I've got a child who needs to go to school, or, um, you know, I think I deserve it. Uh, I think, you know, other people are being paid the same amount. In other words, you try to understand what are the underlying reasons, the motivations that is driving the person to look for that raise. And even though you might not be able to satisfy their position, in other words, give them the raise, you might be able to help them and say, well... You know, there's a tuition program here. Maybe I can help you find, uh, you know, for your for your child. Uh, Maybe we you can. There's I can make make a loan. Maybe we can give you a bonus that's contingent upon, you know, bringing in more sales. Maybe we can, you know, give you a promotion or a new title, or maybe we can give you more flex time. In other words, you can start to brainstorm, and you may find ways to satisfy their underlying interests, Mm. even if because the budget is tight you're not able to, to give them what they originally asked for, which was their position.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned also the uh, the sources of these powers, so t- bouncing off what you just said, so their interests and you giving them options. So can you talk us through some of the other negotiating powers that people can have access to?
1: For sure. Um, well, there's, well, I think, one of the greatest powers that we have actually is the power to master ourselves because the, what I've found is the biggest obstacle to us engaging in this kind of negotiation when things are tough or tense mm. is actually not the difficult person on the other side of the table it's ourselves and so for me um I like to use the metaphor of going to the balcony it's like uh instead of reacting uh, instead of uh uh, as, as there's an old saying that goes, when angry, you will make the best speech you will ever regret. <laughs> uh, you, you, uh, it's almost like you imagine the negotiation taking place on a stage where you and the other parties are, are kind of players on that stage. Part of you goes to a mental or an emotional balcony, uh, overlooking that stage, which is a place of calm, of clarity, of perspective where you can keep your eyes on the prize. Uh, you can suspend your, your normal reaction of being a little bit anxious or being fearful or being angry or being irritated or whatever, whatever is driving you in that moment, whatever emotions might be driving you in that moment so that you can then, uh, focus on what is it that you really want and what is the best way to, to, uh, to achieve it. So there's the ba- a balcony is maybe your greatest foundational power, that ability to go to the balcony, that ability to, to, you go to a place of clarity of self-control if you are able to influence yourself you're going to have much more success being able to influence the other
0: mm, that's brilliant because we talk a lot about mindfulness and so on so and it's, exactly
1: it's a place of mindfulness
0: mm, so you're not reacting you're uh, you're able to kind of t- have that distance from your emotion oh, you're able
1: to observe Mm. You're able to observe. You're able to. You even feel the emotion. It's not about suppressing the emotion. Mm. It's just not acting out of that emotion.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's powerful. That's powerful. And so you also talk about well, you know, it's uh, about the, the people and the relationship as well, and objective criteria in terms of sources of negotiating power. So can you tell us a bit more about? Yes. It? Yeah.
1: So let's imagine you have gone to the balcony. <laughs> let's imagine you've, uh, you've put yourself in the other person's shoes, understand what their interests are. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's imagine you have, uh, let's imagine you have brainstormed creative options. Maybe you've gone through that whole process with the person who asked you for the raise for, for a moment. You went to the balcony, you, just, you went to the balcony, you, you, Tried to understand what their interests were. You started to invent solutions, but there's a, you know you there's a point where you may you know you expand the pie. You don't just divide up a fixed pie. You look for creative solutions. But there may be a some point where, in fact, it is a question of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they need more money for some need. Whatever you're not able to kind of creatively find some alternative, mm-hmm. then. Rather than engage in a contest of wills, which is what we often do, which is, I'm sorry, I can't pay a penny more. I can't accept anything less, where suddenly what's on the table there is no longer how do we solve this problem, but my will and your will, and the question is who's going to back down, and you don't want to back down for sure, and Mm -hmm. they don't want to back down, and you know, and it could lead to a breaking off of the relationship or to, you know, stretching out this negotiation over weeks and months as either side refuses to back down. Or you could say, can we resolve this in a way that's not my will or your will, but in a way that's fair by looking for objective criteria? How would a third party, you know, resolve this? What are fair and reasonable norms? Like, what are other, can we say, let's look at, how other people doing the same job are paid. What is the, what is the normal fair range? So that they don't have to feel like they're giving into your position. You don't have to feel like you're giving into their position. You're both deferring to something that's fair. Might be the market value for those particular services. It might be, well, let's ask a third party who's a specialist in, in determining what, what a certain service is worth. So that you, you defer to, objective criterion which psychologically makes it a lot easier for people to accept because they're deferring to something that's fair they're not just giving in hmm. no one likes to give in
0: yeah makes them feel powerless yeah and right but you also talk about um, when you're negotiating with people more powerful now obviously when you're in your startup and freelancer you're, you're often in that position and you've got this wonderful idea of the batner can you please tell us what that's about and how it can help
1: for sure. Yeah, the question is, where does, where does power come from in negotiation? There's a lot of power. There's a power in going to the balcony. There's a power in, in empathy and understanding the other side's interests. There's power of innovation and creativity and coming up with creative options. But there, perhaps the most fundamental form of negotiation power is the power of what we call a good BATNA. And BATNA is an acronym standing for Best Alternative to a Negotiated Agreement. And what, what it just means is, what's your, what's your walkaway alternative? What are you going to do if for some reason you are not able to reach agreement with the other side at that moment? What's your best course of action for satisfying, for addressing your core interests, your needs? Uh, for example, uh, if, if, uh, t- take you, the person asking for the raise. If, if you cannot reach agreement, um, are, are you going to look for another child? Uh, that may be your BATNA. Or if you're the employer, are you going to look for another employee? Uh, you know, at least to have in notion, what are you going to do that's independent of the will of the other side that can, um, that can, so that you can either get the job done, so that you can get your core needs satisfied. The the purpose of going through that exercise is that not to walk away. It's simply to give you the confidence that you know, no matter how this negotiation goes, you will be okay, you're, you have a way to satisfy your interests. And the paradox is, in negotiation, is that you wanna, you, of course you care, about, you care about things, but if you care too much about reaching an agreement with the other side, if you're totally dependent on that, on that person, on that situation, um, you lose your power. Uh, so, so having a BATNA as an exercise Actually, paradoxically, makes it easier to reach an agreement.
0: (laughs) Even from a mindset perspective, I do remember when I used to go around and interview uh, when I was in my job, and I would interview for other jobs. I would do that just to feel powerful when I was in an interview, (laughs) in in other interviews as well, to take the stress off and take the pressure off. So I guess that's it. That's exactly
1: it. Because you know, you're going to negotiate more effectively. Mm-hmm. if you're not feeling huge pressure. Um mm-hmm. it's like the, any any kind of thing. You're it's if you have it so it gives you that so what night is, is is it's a sense of freedom, it's a sense of confidence. It's okay, okay, I'll go in there, I'll do my best, I'll try to reach the best possible agreement to set, you know satisfies my interests and your interests. And if for some reason I'm not able to, you know, I have an alternative. And then then you're gonna relax and you're gonna negotiate uh at your best.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing I also liked you talked about was, um, yes, negotiation is about people, but you say to face the problem and not the people. So can you expand what you mean by that, please?
1: Yeah, um, so much in, in negotiation, I mean, negotiation, you know, we're not negotiating with computers, at least not yet, that will actually happen too. maybe artificial <laughs> intelligence, but we're negotiating with human beings who have emotions, who have very different perceptions, mm. who have different forms of styles of communication, may come from different cultures, and there's all these rich people elements, and, and sometimes what happens is, I think we make um, kind of two Classic um, mistakes in, in negotiation is we are um, we are um, sometimes because the person so important the relationship the client so important we we you know to, in order that we want to be soft on the people and as a result we're soft on the problem you know we give in everything that they need but then we don't get what I what, what we need mm. we give them everything that they need the client always right and so on or we make the opposite mistake which is you know there's a hard problem that needs to be solved is absolutely hard and in being hard on the problem we're hard on the people uh, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're we don't really take the, their emotions into account and how they see things we're not as respectful as we can be so to me what you if you observe the behavior of successful negotiators you find that it's almost like they draw a line in their heads between the people on the one hand in other words the emotional relational aspect of the negotiation And the problem on the other, the substance, the the money, the terms and conditions. And so that simultaneously they, they, they distinguish, they separate the people from the problem so that simultaneously they can be soft in dealing with the people. In other words, respectful, empathetic, and so on, while they remain hard in dealing with the problem, making sure that the problem gets solved. So the key is... To be soft on the people, hard on the problem, to attack the problem together rather than attacking each other Mm -hmm. as human beings. Because the key in negotiation to me, the the cheapest concession you can make uh, in a negotiation is to treat the other human being with respect. It costs you nothing, and that means to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those are all ways of being soft on the people. It costs us nothing, but it allows us then to be hard on the problem without the people in other words the emotional element getting in the way a little Mm. bit like you know you come home from a hard day at work your spouse has two and you say honey the house is a mess well you may think you're focusing on the problem Mm. but your spouse may not hear that that way they may think you know you're making a personal accusation they say you didn't do what you said you'd do you didn't take the garbage out whatever it is and you know uh you get into a big argument, and the house doesn't get any cleaner. Plans for dinner are spoiled. The people get in the way of the problem. Mm. The key in negotiation is to separate that emotional element, the people element, from the problem, and being soft in dealing with the people while you remain hard in dealing with the problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant, And to, and finally, what do you what top tips do you have for people to prepare for a negotiation? Apart from reading a book, obviously. <laughs> This feels like just like three <coughs> tips.
1: <laughs> well, one thing I think that's extremely useful uh, is to prepare with someone else, uh, prepare with a colleague, prepare with a friend, someone who can serve as your balcony, uh, mm-hmm. whom you can you know, say, okay, well, maybe even someone with whom you can rehearse the negotiation. Because, you know, if you're going to make an important speech, you will rehearse that speech, right? Well, some of the most important speeches that we make our negotiations about matters that really that we care about why not rehearse the negotiation with a friend and ask that friend to play the other side or to play yourself while you play the other side but either way rehearse simulate uh, uh, run your strategy by a friend to say okay this is how I understand it these are our interests This is my interest is the other side's interest they will often they, they can serve as a kind of coach a mentor And it could even be done in 20 minutes or or it doesn't have to be a big thing or an hour, but it can help you prepare rather than thinking that you have to prepare all by yourself.
0: Mm. That's brilliant. Preparation and rehearsal. Brilliant. And uh, well, that's uh, I don't want to take up any more of your time, William. I I promised 20 minutes and we're on the button. So this has been an honor and I'm so grateful for your time. And I can't wait for people
1: to hear this interview. Wonderful, Anise. It's uh, been a a real pleasure and I I wish you much success in helping people. Thank you. In their sales, and their
0: negotiations. Thank you. And I wish you continued success. Thank you very much. Take care. Have a lovely evening. Hey, it's Anise again. I just want to leave you with a final thought. And you might remember in the interview, William said, when you can influence yourself, you're much more able to influence others. And William's statement about the greatest power at your disposal is so empowering and and reassuring that he said the greatest power at your disposal during negotiating is the ability to master yourself and his metaphor going to the balcony you know it's it's a metaphor for for, for mindfulness where going to the balcony where you're able to then watch what's going on from a more of a detached objective standpoint only then can you come up with more creative options, you know, that you're not then dragged in emotionally too much with anger and all sorts of things where your ego is trying to dig its heels in. Uh, So going to the balcony and when you master yourself, you're more able to influence others. So if you want more, I highly recommend William's book, Getting to Yes, Negotiating an Agreement Without Giving In by William Ury, U-R-Y. It's a brilliant book with great practical advice. I've read it several times and... It's a wonderful companion, an essential companion, I believe, for freelancers and entrepreneurs navigating growth as you take on new and bigger challenges. And uh, if you're listening on iTunes, please head on over to MindfulSalesTraining.net for more interviews and subscribe to the free guide while you're there. You'll get lots of other bonuses, too. And if you found value in this podcast, please share it with your colleagues, your tribes, Facebook groups, and help more freelancers, more self-employed and entrepreneurs grow their business A rising tide raises all boats. So that's all for now. Thanks for listening. This is Annie Skizelbash, founder of Mindful Sales Training, helping you grow your sales mindfully.